Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And that is Colossians 3.16. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Bridge Radio. And we are coming at you from the great state of Texas. I am your host, A.W. Varilla. And next to me, like always, the president of this book factory, Steve Denhart. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Good to be ha- back with you. Happy Friday. Well, guys, uh, we uh, today we have... Uh, Sam Crabtree, pastor of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So uh, we're going to be talking about his book, Practicing Thankfulness and Cultivating a Grateful Heart in All Circumstances. And uh, this book is by Crossway. So uh, we are super excited to have Pastor uh, Sam Crabtree on. Uh, But before we have him, uh, Steve, do we have any announcements on what's just happening here at Bridge? Yeah, I mean, lots going on still. Um, We closed on the new building and we're, we're moving forward with that. Got uh, working on getting the permits finalized and then we can get underway with uh, doing the finish off. Yeah. So, Lord willing, you yeah. know, later on this summer, uh, if everything falls in place, we'll be able to get moved over there. Yeah, I think that there's a great buzz and excitement mm-hmm. about the new location. Absolutely. Uh, everybody that i just been talking to and just asking them, are you guys excited about the new cl- location? Uh, everybody's like, yeah, I'm super excited. I, I, I ran into uh, um, this kid, Sam, who was sitting in on one of our podcasts a couple oh, uh, yeah. years ago yeah. with Julio and, and and yourself? And I saw him at Chick Fil A, yeah. and uh, and he's like, "Abe," I was like, "Oh, sorry, I don't remember your name." And he's like, "Sam," I was like, "Oh man, Sam, I haven't seen you in a couple years." And he's like, "Man, I'm super excited about the new location." I was like. You need to tell all your friends, and he's like, "I'm already planning." He was like, nice. "I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring people from my church and all this." I was like, "Wow, like yeah, this, yeah. this just happened yesterday at, at Chick Fil A." Yeah. So I was a couple of days ago. I yeah. saw him actually at Chick Fil A. Oh, too, you did too. He was, he was super excited. Oh man, so. yeah. The, I mean, the, the kid was just super excited, and I was just, I got goosebumps just talking to him about yeah. it. And, and again, guys, this is all because of your contribution. Obviously, God using you guys to give to this ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, we give him all the glory and praise for what. Uh, uh, and thankfulness and gratitude, Amen. And, you know, things that we're going to be talking about today of what he's just done for this ministry here and uh, that he may get glorified and that uh, his purpose and his will just continues to get further through this ministry here. Yes. Amen. And uh, and again, guys, please subscribe to Android Google Stitcher Radio and please visit our website at bridgemenlaredo.org. Uh, we are also on Spotify, so please check us out uh, as we are continuing here and everything reopens. We will be consistent. Consistently having more guests on, we've been getting, uh, we've sent out a lot of just emails and we're just waiting for some response. So we'll hopefully start seeing more on a regular basis. So uh, we're looking forward to that and just having some new guests on and and authors and pastors and 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 testimonials. So Sounds good. All right, Steve, why don't we get this uh, podcast started? Let's do it. Sam Crabtree is pastor of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where he has served for 20 years. He is former public school teacher, the chairman of the board of Bethlehem College and Seminary, and author of Practicing Affirmation. Sam and his wife, Vicki, live in Minneapolis and, and have two daughters, six grandchildren. Welcome Sam Crabtree to Bridge Radio for the first time. 
Well, thank you for my inaugural trip down Ridge Radio <laughs> way here. You know, we really appreciate you coming on, uh, Sam. Uh, it's been a blessing just going through your book uh, and and super excited to have you on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thank you so much, Sam. And Sam, just to kick us off, can you give us a little bit of a background about yourself, how the Lord drew you to saving faith and, and anything else you want to share with us and our listeners about who you are and and uh, how the Lord is using you in his kingdom sure. now? Yeah, well, um, Christ rightly is, is supreme treasure, mm. and the struggle is to live in accord with that claim. I believe it to be true. The question is, do I really believe it when I'm uh, compromising in some way or fearful or or anxious or whatever, greedy or bitter or any, any of those uh, tempting sins. I'm the third born of seven children. Mm. I came to Christ at an early age, probably uh, in the neighborhood of five years old. Uh, I had a conversation after a church service with the pastor who wanted to be sure that I would give a credible testimony that I was aware of my sin and my inability to solve my sin problem. And I needed Jesus for that and that his death on the cross was the only remedy for my guilt before God. And uh, so then I was baptized a little later, probably eight or nine years old. And uh, the adventurous teenage years hmm. are part of my hall of shame hmm. in that I uh, I didn't always represent Christ very boldly or confidently or faithfully, but God was faithful to me nevertheless. And... Uh, I ended up taking a class on Christian evidences, which was very helpful to a young professing believer like myself and have been growing in grace ever since. I am saved by grace, mm. not by works, have nothing to boast about. My only boast is Christ Jesus, and uh, and there's the thumbnail sketch. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Thank you so much for that. So, uh, Sam, I do want to start off with this second question when I was reading your book that I found interesting of a Chinese woman that uh, your book mentioned and her observation of Westerners. Can you talk a little bit about that of this uh, Chinese woman and observing w Western culture? Yeah, you're referring to an interview I did with a woman, a Chinese speaking woman who had come to our church here. We have a yes. We have a a, grow, a small but growing Chinese population in yeah. our church. Wow. And uh, this woman had come to faith in Christ, and so through an interpreter who is a devout believer, uh, she was telling me that before she was a believer, she could discern who the Christians were because Christians were thankful people. And I think that that accords with observations that have been made by others. I mean, Elizabeth Elliot said mm. that the surest indication of our trust in God is whether we're habitual complainers <laughs> or habitual praisers. Mm. And uh, I've been a complainer. I don't know about you guys. I mean, mm. that was part of that hall of shame walk through my teenage years mm. was griping about things my parents did or didn't do and and so on. Tremper Longman adds that the real difference or the real evidence we might say between a christian and a non-christian is that a christian gives thanks to god and so this chinese woman i think was recognizing what others have recognized that that a grateful heart is key in our in our under, 
understanding of who God is and our identification of him. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I've heard this before of just um, people in just observing Western culture and the differences, you know, uh, which uh, I believe that, you know, us as a Western culture have just uh, been a little bit spoiled, you know, um, you know, we we live in in a country in a country of abundance which I believe sometimes hinders our ability to give thanks when we have everything, you know? Um, it can. Yep, it can. Um, so, Sam, um, isn't thankfulness already well understood, especially amongst Christians? <laughs> <laughs> it's on page well, 13 I of your book. <laughs> no, I, I uh, the reason I, I wrote, one of the reasons I wrote on this subject is that I think there's been some deterioration or decay or corrosion in our understanding of thankfulness. Mm. I think we tend to think of it as a nice little polite uh, portion of etiquette. It's good to teach your children to say thank you to grandma when she gives them a Christmas present or whatever that. But uh, I think the Bible paints a picture that thankfulness is a giant it's a sequoia in the forest of Christian qualities. It's thanklessness is causal, which we can show from the Bible. And thankfulness is the mother of other virtues. Mm. And so uh, one way I would put it is that the giving of thanks from a genuinely grateful heart is not inconsequential. It's not optional in the sense that it makes no difference whether you're thankful or not. If you are thankful, you're going to reap consequences and fruit and be productive in ways that you won't be and can't be if you're grumbling and griping and indifferent to the blessings of God that are all around us. Mm. So I think it, it's huge, not small. Mm. That, that's so true. You know, um, while reading your book, um, I, I was just telling Steve, uh, and he mentioned uh, uh, before we started the podcast that we are a Christian uh, bookstore, one of the few, I think, that are even open here in just South Texas, and I don't even know in the whole of Texas, because uh, a lot of them have not survived. And um, and we have your book out uh, here in the, in the front. And, um, you know, one of the things that uh, we're always trying to encourage people is to read. And... Um, and as we, as I'm just going through your book, and then this is just coming back to your book, um, I, I, I came across uh, the, uh, this part on page 29 of your book, and uh, it just kind of just stood out to me, and, 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 and maybe our listeners might not think it's a big deal, but it was for me. And the question is, why does a, a truly thankful mind give no credence to luck? Well, luck has no causal power. Mm -hmm. uh, no such luck. The, the, C.S. No, not C.S. Lewis. Uh, R.C. Sproul mm. wrote a book um, called Not a Chance. And chance is a mathematical calculation, but it doesn't cause anything. Uh, the, the, cost, the tossing of a coin so many times. If you toss a coin a hundred times, it's, you're supposed to approximately come up with 50% heads and 50% tails. But there is not a force out there called chance which is causing that. If we knew all the influences of, if you're tossing it with your thumb, if we knew the 
the force of the thumb and the vector and the angle and the and the friction between the thumb and the coin and if we knew the humidity of the air and the wind and we we knew all these factors chance is not one of them mm. it's it's it has no force there is no such thing as random blind luck there is a 100% sovereign god who is providential in everything not a sparrow falls to the ground without his being involved. He's numbered the number of hairs on our heads, which does not mean that he's counted them. It means he put them there. He put the number there that he wants there. And the Bible is just clear over and over. God does not step back or cower from his claim to be absolutely universally sovereign. Leviticus says, uh, uh, when you come into the land of Canaan, which I give, you for a possession, and I put a case of leprous disease in the house, and then he tells them what to do if there's leprosy in the house. But who put it there? He did. Hmm. Or as as the Lord said to Moses at the burning bush, who has made man's mouth? Because Moses has complained, you know, I, you don't want to make me go to Egypt because I don't speak so good. I stammer. I stutter. And God says, well, who made man's mouth? Who makes him dumb or deaf? or seeing or blind, is it not I, the Lord? And even though it's not in the original Hebrew, I like the, the King James there. Is it not I, even I? The emphasis is, is rightly placed there that it's not luck that determines whether a child goes up and stammers or not. God is behind all things, working them all for our good. This is the Romans 8, 28 passage. We know that God works all things together mm. for the good of those who love him. Well, he can't work all things for good if he's not behind yeah. all things. He's not just He's not just a rescuing God who rescues from everything. Uh, and he, he says, oh, let's see here if I can find it real quick. Uh, Lamentations 3, who can speak and have it happen if the Lord has not decreed it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both calamities and good things come? Mm. Which is echoed by Isaiah, where he says, I form light and create darkness. This is God speaking. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. All these things. There's no place in there for luck. Yeah, it does. It has no power whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, uh, here, you know, even with our staff members, like, oh man, you know, I got lucky today. <laughs> I was like, no, you know, and you know, well, you know, me and my sound engineer, you Eli, were fortunate. Yeah, you were fortunate. In, in yeah, God's grace. No. <laughs> he'll remind him. Uh, um, and he's like, there's no such thing as luck. He'll tell the. He'll tell him. He'll tell him that. I really love hearing your book. And uh, again, I believe that you're quoting uh, R.C. Sproul, as you just uh, just said. In a universe governed by God, there is no chance events. Indeed, there is no such thing as chance. Chance does not exist. It is merely a word we use to describe mathematical possibilities. But chance itself has no power because it has no being. Chance is not an entity that can influence reality. Chance, not a thing. It is nothing. Um, I was just like, wow, yeah. like, 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 it, it just really just stood out to me how you just put all that together with thankfulness. And, and I was just like, yes, well, like, how can yeah. you give thanks when, you know, there's so. To go a little farther, and I, you know, I don't mean to, 
to shame anyone, but to shed light here. When we attribute whatever happens to luck, whatever outcome, oh, I was lucky, we're actually missing an opportunity to give glory to God yes. who was behind that. Mm. And in a sense, we're robbing him of glory by giving that glory to something. It's like an idol. Idols have no life. They're powerless. Mm. A carved stick of wood does not cause anything except maybe a good bonfire. <laughs> uh, luck doesn't cause anything. And the one who did cause it, God, is not being given credit. Mm. Well, that's... Uh, I can put it this way, that's not fair to God. Yeah. Um, so, Sam, as we kind of just shift a little bit and just stand on what you were just saying, why is gratitude important in a Christian life and also the dangers of ingratitude? Well, it's important uh, partly because it shows that we're rational people, mm. as you were saying before. I mean, it's, it's not just, gratefulness is not just some kind of a mood. It springs from a way of, thinking. Grateful people behave a certain way because they think mm. a certain way. In fact, G.K. Chesterton said he would maintain that thanks are the highest form of thought. And thankfulness then depends upon a thoughtful awareness of our dependence on God. The universe is right side up when the one who does the work is the one who gets the credit. Mm. And it's God who gives life and breath and everything else, according to the scriptures. So he always deserves credit all the time, which is why we can give thanks in everything and, and for everything, because he's behind everything. Mm. So a person who's consistently thanking God is therefore being supremely rational. I mean, and who in his right mind doesn't want to be rational? Uh, Gary Collins, a Christian psychologist, said that the core ingredient of mental health is gratitude. So you want to be healthy mentally, work on gratefulness. It, so it's important, uh, you're asking why is it important? It's important to make us rational uh, instead of irrational. It's important because our happiness depends upon it. John Bloom said gratitude is both a vital indicator of our soul's health and a powerful defender of our soul's happiness. I argue in the book that the practice of thankfulness is pivotal, mm -hmm. that the well-being of a soul kind of swivels on it, like the hinge of a door or this uh, this chair that I'm sitting on here swivels. Mm -hmm. And thankfulness is a swivel point. If, you, if something happens to you and a blessing is granted to you, which is happening to us all day, every day, uh, and we decide we're going to be thankful, that turns us in a certain direction. Mm. And if we're not grateful or indifferent, then we default in a different direction. So it's like thankfulness is a fork in the road, and it, it leads to maturity or immaturity, which you can see in a, in a toddler, a, a thankless little brat who throws a hissy fit <laughs> when he doesn't get what he wants. We just have, we just have more grown-up, more adult forms of our hissy fits yes. when, when God doesn't give us what we want. Wow. Thankfulness, I think, is a, is a fork in the road leading either to humility, where I realize I'm dependent upon God for everything. The fact that I can sit in this swivel chair yeah. is a gift from God. Or I start moving towards a spirit of entitlement, like an angry inmate 
in jail. You know, I want what I want when I want it. Mm-hmm. And God's not nice if he doesn't give things to me on my terms and on my time frame. It, I think thankful, thankfulness is a is a swivel between sweetness or bitterness. And you can see this in marriages where you have a cranky spouse. Uh, thankfulness is is a fork in the road between enlarged faith, greater and greater confidence that God's working all things together for my good, or hardness. And in Matthew 19, Jesus attributes divorce to hardness, mm-hmm. not to incompatibility or communication problems or or something else. There's a there's a thanklessness that has creeped in, crept in. Uh, it, it's a difference between beauty or ugliness. Like in, in uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, the thankless white witch who mm. makes things always winter, but never Christmas. It's mm. ugly. Uh, gratitude is very beautiful when you see it. It's attractive. It's it's the difference between wisdom or self-deluded folly. Uh, Romans 1 says that for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking. That's not wise. Futility of thought. And their foolish hearts were darkened. So they became futile and foolish because they were not thankful. So um, thankfulness is, is very important because it's so causal. And just because it's a rudimentary first step in Christian living, you know, a small child can learn how to say thank you. It is a step that never disappears. It doesn't go away. It's like if you were raising a small child and they take their first step, you don't say, well, now you've accomplished walking. Now you don't have to do that anymore. No, you you learned how to walk so that you could keep on walking. And so it is with gratefulness. It's something we can continue into eternity, actually. And relationships flourish. Or even the most ordinary and mundane benefits are appreciated. You know, thank yous go a long way. Thank you notes go a long way, longer than we might think. And this is ironic, a forgotten or neglected thank you can feel like a forgotten or a neglected relationship. Like, I'm being taken for granted here. Don't they care? Don't they know the, you know, the effort I went to to benefit them with whatever I did for them? There's a, there's a little um, uh, stink that can come into a relationship where there isn't uh, a steady diet of thankfulness and gratitude. But I feel like I'm prattling on here. You probably have another question. That you'd like no, to that that is great. Actually, I was just going to ask you, uh, as you were just mentioning, um, uh, and uh, while you were uh, quoting uh, G.K. Uh, Chesterton, uh, you said the worst moment for an atheist is when he re- when he is really thankful and he has no one to thank. I think that he means by really thankfulness is a conscious awareness that a per, a person is not and cannot be self-made. Therefore, he owes his existence, his preservation, his sustenance, his circumstances, and his happiness to someone other than himself, but to whom? Uh, that, I mean, as you were just talking about this, and, and I'm just thinking of the people that don't know the true God of this universe, and when they are when they've had this emotion, this emotion of giving thanks, like uh, not realizing that everything comes from, from God uh, and, and, and they have just nobody to thank, thank. And I'm just thinking about just uh, how God just, uh, just moved me from Chicago down here to Texas and, and a lot of stuff that was just going on. And 
how thankful uh, I am, right? And and him opening my eyes to the truth of who he is, because I can sit here and just say, wow, like, I, I have to give you thanks for bringing me down here, uh, meeting my wife, uh, amongst the other things that I'm I'm thinking I'm just talking about this specific the staff that he's given me at uh at at, at our at our work and and the people that he's just put in our life here at this ministry at Bridge and sometimes you know in my quiet moments I, I I'm overwhelmed um and just and and just like wow I can't believe and I I have to I have to give thanks and and have gratitude because I know that it comes from for me. I just don't know how an atheist does that. How can they not like see that? You know. Well, I think they have a rising impulse or or instinct that, that says it's the right thing. They're feeling it, mm. but they they do it. We didn't read from Romans one is that they suppress the truth mm. in unrighteousness, yeah. and uh, that that truncates their own joy. Your expression of thankfulness to God not only is fitting, but it's a, it, it completes your pleasure in all the good that he's done to you, to say it. It's kind of like, you know, you met your wife, and I, I don't know when's the first time you told her that you love her or you like her or you admire her or whatever, but telling her that was part of the pleasure mm. in her. And so it is with God. When, when we thank God for stuff, it, it helps uh, consummate, in a way, our pleasure in the blessing that he has given. And it increases our pleasure in him. Mm. He doesn't feel like a, a mighty, powerful ogre god. Mm. He's a mighty, powerful, good god. I mean, he is great, mm. but he's also good. Yeah. And, and for his greatness, we praise him, and, I, and, the, and the demons will praise him. Yeah. But it's for his goodness that we thank him, and the demons are not going to thank him. They don't. They don't like what he's doing. It's one of the differences between demons and Christians is that uh, we like what we know about God, and they don't. They dislike what they know about God. It can be the same truth about Him that we like that they don't like. Wow. So, and 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 our thanklessness weakens us, makes us less fit for mm. serving God's purposes for our lives, and of course. Atheists would be floundering to uh, to fulfill God's purposes for their life, and and this is where for evangelism uh, in conversations with unbelievers, I am not interested in ramming any religion down their throat mm. when I talk about Jesus. What I am saying is that there's there's a joy wagon all aboard. There's a big party coming. Get in on it. Uh, this isn't ramming religion down your throat. This is uh, announcing to you an invitation to a party. And and uh, yes, through many tribulations, you will enter the kingdom of heaven. And it's not all party yet. The party is still in the future. But I'm not trying to ram any constraints down anybody's throat unless those are temporary constraints, disciplines that increase your joy, like the disciplines that a, an Olympic athlete might go through and buffeting his body because he's looking forward to running faster or lifting more weights or or being more accurate with a, an arrow or whatever he's working on um, 
again, I feel like I'm talking too much here. No, you're uh, no, please, please continue to talk. Our, our, our listeners uh, need to hear this for sure. I mean, and we, we do have a worldwide audience. Um, but, uh, um, everything, everything might be easy to give thanks to God when, uh, things are going well. Can you just talk about a little bit about thankfulness and then suffering? Uh, sometimes that's difficult when yeah. we suffer, you know, yeah. and, and when we don't like to talk about suffering, right? Um, it's, yeah. it's not fun, but yeah, well, um, I'll start by, um, saying that many believers have no problem with a text in the Bible, like First Thessalonians 5.18, which says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. They, they think, okay, so I'm skiing down the hill, I take a fall, I break my right leg. In that situation, I can thank him I didn't break my left leg or break my neck or something. And, and that would be okay to think that way. It's okay to be thankful for the things that have not happened to me. I mean, as far as I know, I don't have Alzheimer's. I'm thankful for that. Mm. Uh, or maybe I have an early onset and it just hasn't shown up yet. But um, it's okay to be thankful for stuff we don't have. But the Bible says much more. It, it says in Ephesians 5.20, give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a redundancy there. It's not just I don't know, religious hyperbole or something on Paul's part. He's saying give thanks always for what? For everything. Nothing is exempt. And and it, he backs it up, I think, in 1 Corinthians where he says, what do you have that you did not receive? Mm. If you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? And so um, later Luke can write in the in the book of Acts, the God who made the world... And everything in it, so there's the universality, and he made everything, without exception. Being the Lord of heaven and earth, he does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind, all of us, men, men women, children, elderly, all of us, every, every tongue, since he himself gives to all mankind life, and breath, and everything. So, I mean, it just permeates everything, that God's behind everything. He's given everything, including whether I have, you know, covered legs, or I got a bad leg, mm. uh, or or I stay healthy from my childhood, or I'm Johnny Erickson Tata, who mm. lives life in a wheelchair. Colossians, Paul says the same thing. He goes it by saying it a little differently. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So all I've done here so far is just say that, that everything comes under this broad rubric of it's appropriate to be thankful. Now you're asking the particular question, what about affliction? Hmm. What about when something is terrible, horrible, no good, and very bad? Well, the Bible doesn't give up on this theme. I mean, James, the brother of Jesus, tells us, count it all joy, brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, why should we count it all joy? Paul says the same thing in Romans 5. He says, we rejoice in our sufferings. Now, why? Why? Because in the hand of God, he's never done when he sends suffering or affliction. He's always producing something like 
like the farmer's plow that goes through and cuts the soil and turns it over. He's getting ready to make a crop. And so James, the brother of Jesus, continues, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know, and my question would be, do we? Do we know what he's about to say? For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Hmm. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Or I'll put in there, being like Jesus. So count it joy because it's going to be productive. It's taking you somewhere. And man, I can just pause here on, on this particular text to say, you know, if there's some quality, Christ-like quality that we would like produced in our in our lives. Like, you know, would you like to be forgiving? Well, most of us would say, sure, I want to be a merciful person. I want to be a forgiving person. The only way in this life to get good at being forgiving is to be sinned against, mm-hmm. to be wronged. To have somebody do you dirt, to rip you off, to harm you in some way. Mm-hmm. It's the only way to get good at forgiving. Which, by the way, I might insert is one way that helps me understand why God would create a universe in which there is sin. It's so that he can demonstrate one of his qualities, which is merciful. He's so merciful. And he couldn't demonstrate that if he didn't make a world in which there was sin. But I digress. Let me get back to answering your question. Why should we be thankful for affliction? But Paul said in Romans 5, not only not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing, so I'm back to that question, do we, do we know what he's about to say? Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, character produces hope. What I'm saying here is what the Bible is saying, is that this suffering is productive. Moses said in the 90th Psalm, make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us. Wow. We want to be glad, but we don't want the affliction that produces that gladness. The psalmist in Psalm 119, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, on account of the affliction, I keep your word. Well, most Christians would say, I want want to keep God's word. And here the psalmist is saying it was affliction that kept him tethered to the word. Psalm 119.71, it is good for me that I was afflicted that I might learn your statutes. So one of the problems with ingratitude and being a complainer is that it prejudges God before more of the stories revealed. God's he's not done in my affliction. He never is. He never is. Lazarus dies. God's not done. He's not done. Yeah. He's going to show his glory yet. And Lazarus has died for a second time. And guess what? God's not done with Lazarus. He's going to show more glory in his life yet. So um, we can be thankful for anything. Now, I know this is this talk is easy if I'm sitting here in a swivel chair and mm. I've got water here that I can sip and all that kind of stuff. But nevertheless, it applies in any situation because God is not done with any situation. There is no affliction that he's wasting, not one shred of it. He's producing good things, which is why uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians can say that these light and momentary afflictions, which are neither light nor momentary when you're in them, 
and he's just listed a whole bunch of he's been beaten and shipwrecked and snake bitten and all this stuff that's been happening to Paul. He calls it light momentary afflictions are producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison, mm. which means we, when you put them on a scale, suffering on one side is going to be far outweighed by the production, the eventual joy, the fruitfulness of that suffering. So I, I hope I'm helping your listeners yeah. and not just uh, no, yeah, and I filling think... the airwaves with talk. No, and, and I was just going to say, I think that's why it's important to have that eternal perspective on everything, right? That these things are just temporary uh, here on yes. this on this fallen world, right? And and, yes. and and like you were talking earlier that, hey, I don't want to talk about religion. Uh, I want to invite you to the party, you know, because the big party is going to happen in the future at some point in, in history. In the future, that's yeah. right. And and if we can always just focus on that, no matter what happens in this world, you know, we, uh, I'm just thinking about Job, you know, and, you know, everything was great sure. for Job, you know, he had everything and then he lost everything. But in the midst of that, you know, uh, he, he, he is trying to thank God, you know, and then, you know, he kind of veers off a little bit, but then, you know, um, God brings him back and, you know, blesses him. But even then, like, um, there, you know, I'm just, you mentioned, uh, Joni Erickson Tata. I mean, she's in a wheelchair, but at one point, uh, when, uh, um, she's out of this, this world and, and you know, she's going to be able to walk, run and, 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 and do all the things that she couldn't do on this earth. And it's going to be perfect, you know? Um, and I'm just thinking about, you know, I, Honestly, um, you know, God is so merciful and so, and, and, and I'm just grateful. I haven't experienced, uh, uh any kind of physical, uh, 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 affliction like that. And, and I'm always thinking, man, what would I do if, if something like that ever happened to me? And, and, and I have to just focus on Christ always. And, and I hope that he gives me the, the grace and, and the wisdom to give him thanks when, when those things happen uh, to me. Um, yeah, it, it's all it's all grace. You're right mm -hmm. to shine the light on on grace. There. I mean, even a person who says, "Okay, I, I think I should be more thankful," but I'm not. What can I do about it? You can ask for grace. Mm -hmm. You can ask God. You can plead with Him. You can, and I don't mean in a in a uh, I don't know morbid kind of pleading. I I mean uh, in a serious, earnest. Lord, I need Your help mm -hmm. to help me become more grateful than I tend to be. And it's a grace that he loves to give. Mm. Mm. Wow. So, uh, Sam, as we start winding down this podcast, um, you know, there, I, I came across uh, one of the chapters, chapter 11, and, and I, I, was, I was chuckling here. And uh, chapter 11 is uh, various questions about thankfulness. And I just wanted to ask you, uh, should I give thanks for the ugly sweater I received for Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yes, we give thanks for everything, but do it without lying. <laughs> you don't have to say thanks, Grandma, for the awesome sweater if you don't think it's awesome you can you can thank her for her generosity that she thought of you and that she she gave you uh, a gift that you you know thank you grandma for remembering me at christmas or i don't know something like that that's true 
And it's good for your relationship with her that you express some sort of thankfulness and, and gratitude. And um, it shows your growth in, in Christian character, as we talked about at the very beginning of this podcast, the Chinese woman who could recognize Christians because they were thankful. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we. I think, yes, you say thank, thank you for that sweater. And even there, the gift of that ugly sweater might be a God-given opportunity for you to learn more tact to grow in in uh, diplomacy which you're needing to grow in and um so to thank him for for thank him for that while you're thanking grandma for her christmas gesture yeah and thanking god that grandma's still alive to even make you that sweater or give you well, that sweater that's true. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's right. um sam sam uh romans ten fourteen says that how would they call on him whom they have not believed, how would they believe in whom they have not heard, and how would they hear without a preacher? Sam, can you share the gospel with our worldwide listeners uh, today? There is a there is a God who made everything, as we just uh, heard in Acts seventeen. He made everything, and he set man in the world that he made. It was undefiled at that time, and man opted to look away from God's instruction and to take instruction from another. You can call it idolatry, you can call it sin, but but man looked away from God, thinking that he could be more happy uh, looking away from God than than resonating with what God said and honoring God above all things. That sin, that indifference to God's instruction, that belittling of God. That treason of the king of the universe against the king of the universe put in place death and separation between man and God. And we all earn the punishment of death because God said that that's the game rules from the very outset. In the day you eat of this, you will surely die. And some, uh, I think, who interpret that and say, well, yes, Adam and Eve died spiritually, but they didn't die physically. Uh, it, I beg to differ. In that very day, they began to die physically. Mm-hmm. Genetic entropy was kicked off. And every generation since then, we, we don't live as long anymore. We're more vulnerable to diseases and that sort of thing. I, I, you can track the downward slide of the human race. And so they did begin to die that day. And they deserved it. There was nothing unjust in that because God told them at the outset, well, we're all children of Adam. We're all sinners, and we all deserve death and separation from God. But in his mercy and in his kindness, he sent a man named Jesus, the one mediator between God and men, to take our place as a substitutionary atonement. That is, he died in our place. He took the death that we deserve after living a righteous life that we could not live, so that he not only absorbs God's righteous wrath and in punishing our sin, but God in Christ provides the righteousness that his righteousness requires him to require of us, a righteousness that we cannot produce on our own, so that Christ becomes for us our pure record before God and establishes our standing before him and permits us to be recipients of all of his 
beautiful promises, which are yes and amen in Christ. Which, by the way, I'll go back to Adam and Eve and say that even before Adam and Eve sinned, before they were sinners, they needed Christ Jesus because they had not fulfilled all the law. They weren't righteous. They weren't sinners yet, but neither were they righteous. They hadn't fulfilled all righteousness. They needed Christ even then. And uh, so it's a free gift to trust Christ. There's nothing we can do to earn it. We just trust him to be our substitute, which he was on the cross where he absorbed God's wrath, rose from the dead, showing that he conquered uh, death and and we um, we lean into him as our as our utmost and supreme treasure, the the good for us that is the best kind of good that lasts the longest and goes the deepest. I don't know if that's a helpful description for you or not, but there's my <laughs> off the cuff attempt. Yeah, no, that was absolutely wonderful. Amen to that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please go get the book, Practicing Thankfulness, Cultivating a Grateful Heart in All Cir- Circumstances by Sam Crapt- Crabtree uh, by Crossway. Uh, Pastor Sam, where can our people find you if you want to be found? Are you on social media or anything like that where if anybody has yeah. some questions or you know uh, wants to check out any of your books, sure. besides here at Bridge, sure. of course, we carry your books, but yes. Well, I'm, they can contact you, I suppose, and you can forward <laughs> them to me. Uh, I, I'm employed by Bethlehem Baptist Church in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota. And we have a website, uh, Bethlehem Baptist Church, and uh, I'm listed there as an as a employee, and they can sure uh, have access to me that way. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. And if you are in the Minneapolis, Minnesota uh, area uh, visiting, please stop by Bethlehem Baptist Church and uh, check it out. Uh, Sam, thank you very much for joining us uh, today on Bridge Radio. Uh, We are absolutely grateful uh, and thankful uh, that you came on. It was, uh, I really enjoy your book. And hey, and for our listeners, uh, you got to go get the book because it's a great read. We barely touched the surface here on this book. Um, And, you know, you can knock this book out in probably like a couple hours, depending how fast you read. But uh, great book. Uh, I really, really thoroughly enjoy it. So enjoyed it. And so thank you very much for, for coming on. Well, it's my pleasure and my privilege, really, truly. So thank you. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this week's episode. Uh, with Pastor Sam Crabtree and his book, Practicing Thankfulness, Cultivating a Grateful Heart in All Circumstances by Crossway Publishing. You know, uh, I was I was reading this book and um, right now as uh, we're finishing up this podcast, I'm just thinking uh, how many ways that I can uh, really thank our Lord and Savior for the things that he has done in my life. And hopefully you guys can, uh, as you guys are listening to this podcast, just thank the Lord and be grateful and have a, just a great uh, gratefulness, sorry, excuse me, for uh, for what he has done, um, even in the small things. Like we, we don't realize that God has put us on this earth for a purpose. Everything that he has given you, it comes from him. So let's give him thanks. Let's, uh, and, and, 
and say thank you lord for what you've done in the smallest little thing you know um you know i i, I going through this book it was just just convicting for me in just so many ways of where i can improve and giving thanks to to god so uh i hope that uh you guys go out and get the book um share this book with other people i mean it's a really the book is about a hundred and um 30 pages quick read and just to the point direct just absolutely great i i i'm sure that you will be thoroughly blessed uh, again we we try to bring authors in that are um just really solid and and hopefully uh um these books here will just point you more to christ so um so yeah so thank you guys uh like we always like to end this show um but before that uh please don't forget to follow us on facebook instagram twitter and youtube and like we always like to end the show what is your only comfort in life and in death that i am not my own but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful savior jesus christ till next week guys Bye.